0: The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's ten minutes after eight. Now, there's been an over 80% voter turnout reported in the Crimea referendum. With more than half the ballots counted, early results showed 95.9% of the voters are in favor of leaving the Ukraine and rejoining former political master Russia. Pro-Russia residents in Ukraine's Crimea region have celebrated throughout the night over what they consider an overwhelming and decisive vote to rejoin the motherland. This as minorities fear for their future today. Western leaders have condemned the Crimean referendum as illegitimate and threatened to punish Russia. The BBC's Daniel Sinfield has more for us from the Crimea. Wild scenes in
1: Simferopol last night as people who've longed to rejoin Russia for almost a quarter of a century took a huge step towards their dream. We are coming back to Russia, we are happy, we are all
2: happy.
1: So the people here in the centre of Simferopol have got what they wanted but how it came about is going to have a lasting impact on international relations. The referendum produced an overwhelming vote in favour of leaving Ukraine and joining Russia. But although the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, insists it was consistent with international law, it remains hugely controversial. It was organized in less than a fortnight, while Russian troops were already in effective military control of Crimea. And it's not recognized by the fledgling Ukrainian government whose territory this is, or by the vast proportion of the international community. If President Putin now moves to join Crimea onto Russia, it'll trigger immediate sanctions against Russian officials from the European Union. The fallout could escalate over the weeks ahead. And with pro-Russia protesters in eastern cities in mainland Ukraine also agitating for their own referendums, relations between Russia and the West could be about to go from bad to disastrous
0: the bbc's daniel sinfield they're reporting in the crimea so what are the scenes like in the ukraine today after yesterday's historic referendum what are the scenes like in russia this morning Natalie fury joining us on the line our reporter with uh feature news stories and our correspondent in moscow this morning Natalie, thanks for joining us again good morning good morning Natalie. so what, what are we seeing in russia this morning tell us about the scenes there
3: Well, you know, nothing like you're seeing, uh, you know, over there in in Crimea, uh, in Simferopol. You know, many people, of course, just going about uh, their daily lives. But views here are are very mixed. There are uh, people who think that that Crimea should have uh, been part of Russia all along. Uh, Since 1954, it has, of course, been uh, separate and part of Ukraine. But uh, many people we've spoken to said uh, that it should be part of Russia and welcoming it Uh, back into the fold, as it were. Uh, Now, there are other people. There was a a big uh, demonstration over the weekend of people uh, that are against uh, President Putin's actions, uh, against how the referendum came about. Uh, And they're very worried uh, that if tensions escalate further between Russia uh, and the West uh, because of the uh, sanctions and so forth, uh, then it could uh, be very damaging for Russia, Uh, And they're worried that it could even lead to an outright war.
0: Well, is the Russian government equally concerned? EU leaders meeting today to decide on sanctions against Russia that they could be pressing for, travel bans against uh, some of the individuals involved in the Ukraine and Crimea as well. Is that at all concerning the Russian government, Vladimir Putin?
3: Well, it doesn't seem to be at the moment. Vladimir Putin uh, has maintained that he says the referendum is legitimate Uh, that any uh, troops in Russia uh, have been sent there uh, to protect Russians there that feel under threat. Uh, And he told uh, many international leaders uh, that he will respect the vote of Crimea. So uh, essentially saying that if they want to be part of Russia, uh, indicating that they can be. So, uh, you know, the parliament here on Friday will be uh, debating amendments uh, to legislation to make it, Easier for another territory to be part of Russia. Uh, so this, despite these threats of sanctions, it does seem like the ball is uh, rolling uh, for Crimea to become part of the Russian Federation.
0: Putin's uh, critics are saying that this is a blueprint for him uh, to break apart weaker states, to reform the Russian Federation. What's the process going forward, Natalie, according to Vladimir Putin? How does he plan to to, to play this out for the rest of the week?
3: Well, of course, that is a question everybody's asking. Uh, You know, he's uh, essentially looked like he has... Uh, Crimea under Russian control, uh, their Russian troops amassed along the border with Ukraine. We've seen uh, areas in East Ukraine, like Donetsk, uh, that have seen uh, tension heightened between uh, pro-Russian uh, and pro-Ukrainian groups. Uh, and he has said that he will uh, send troops uh, to anywhere necessary if it is to protect Russians there. Uh, so, as you said, many people are questioning uh, if this is going to be his next move uh, and indeed how far he will go, uh, if, given that he doesn't seem uh, to have stopped, uh, you know, from sending troops to Crimea, uh, despite uh, talks uh, with uh, Western leaders and despite uh, condemnation to many international countries.
0: Natalie Fury, our reporter in Moscow, thanks for that update. Uh, Natalie, of course, bringing us more in uh, Moscow this morning as Vladimir Putin sent to uh, react to the referendum uh, taking place in the Crimea today. Well, 80 percent of the country apparently turned out for that uh, for that referendum and 95 uh, percent of the votes so far in with half the ballots uh, counted. And uh, apparently 95 percent uh, of those voters in favor of leaving the Ukraine and rejoining former political master Russia. Uh, Let's uh, speak to Program Manager of Governance and African Peer Review Mechanism Program, the South African Institute of International Affairs. Uh, He's formerly from the Ukraine himself. uh, Yarek Turiansky joining me on the line. Yarek, good morning. Thanks for your time.
4: Good morning. Thank you for having me. And just to let you know, I'm not, uh, formerly from Ukraine. I'm still from Ukraine, uh, but I just <laughs> happen to live in South Africa
2: for the past
0: 12 years. Well, Yarik, well, well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, something that, that Natalie picked upon there was, was this issue of 1954. We've heard this number bandied about quite a hmm. bit in the news, uh, whether, whether Ukraine should have always been part of Russia, whether Crimea should have always been part of Russia since then. Let, let's start there. Look,
4: the historical date that Natalie was referring to, 1954, that was when the former General Secretary of the Communist Party of the USSR, Nikita Khrushchev, who himself was an ethnic Ukrainian, um, chose to to award the peninsula of Crimea to Ukraine. So Crimea has been part of Ukraine since 1954. Of course, in 1991, the Soviet Union broke up Uh, Ukraine became independent on the 24th of August, 1991. Crimea has been a part of Ukraine since. I think it's important to recognize the current status of Crimea. It's an autonomous republic within Ukraine, which means that its political status is higher than, say, a province is in South Africa, you know, because they have their own government um, and, and they are quite independent. But, of course, because they're only an autonomous republic and not a full sovereign republic, that means that they're not, for example, allowed to enter into international relations with other states. So the the current Ukrainian government was actually willing to um, give even higher um, independence and um, um, uh, self-local governing initiatives to Crimea, but uh, unfortunately due to the due to the political situation due to outside interference uh you know due to the presence of these troops and the the installment of the of a marionette uh government in crimea this uh, referendum has uh has taken place with all the irregularities that Natalie's spoken about and effectively we're seeing a repetition of the voting patterns during the times of the soviet union you know, with a uh voter turnout of, of over eighty percent and, you know, ninety, ninety five point five percent voting in favor. Just to just to also let you know that this morning before the interview, I was reading an interview with the leader of the Crimean Tartars, um, who make up about twenty percent of the population in Crimea. And uh, the leader of these peoples said that ninety nine percent of them have ignored the referendum, and they did not even pitch to to make that vote, which also brings into question the legitimacy of these figures that we're hearing.
0: So before we talk about legitimacy, there was a lot to spoken about whether this referendum in, uh, in the first place is legal or not, whether uh, Crimea has the authority to host this referendum. Does it? I mean, considering that it does have some powers to make its own laws control its own governance, uh, as you were admitting.
4: You know what? It's a case that, uh, according to Ukraine's constitution, the referendum in Crimea is not constitutional, and the parliament of Ukraine, which, as I mentioned, is the central governing authority in the country, have also declared it to be unconstitutional. Um, so, in that sense, there's there's really no legal basis, according to Ukrainian laws, uh, for Crimea to hold this referendum. There was actually an an offer from the from the from the Ukrainian. Uh, parliament, or at least from some of the politicians, that, you know, a referendum could be held, but it needs to be held, obviously, in a different way with, you know, no planning for two weeks, but, but months of planning taking place and and also formulating different questions, which would essentially grant higher powers to, to Crimea, uh, but not enable it to break away from Ukraine and join the Russian Federation.
0: It's 21 minutes after 8. Uh, you can join the conversation right after this. Keep this number handy. 0891104208. We'll open up the lines in the next few minutes. Who's to benefit and who stands to benefit from the situation in the Ukraine? 34701 our SMS hotline. Tweet or Facebook us right now. AM live on SAFM. I'll take your calls right after this. This
1: summer's hottest hatch, the Volvo V40 T3, can be yours with 0% deposit from just $3699 per month. Offer over 72 months. Retail price $292,500. Rate to customer 4.69%. Balloon payment $81900. Cost to customer $384577. Subject to credit approval by Volvo Car Financial Services, a division of West Bank and First Rand Bank Limited, An authorized financial services and credit provider. Offer includes VAT and CO2 emissions tax and is available while stocks last. Another reason to consider Volvo
0: in the new world of business opportunities are everywhere but how fast you can respond to them is what gives you the edge with MTN business as a partner you have the latest ICT solutions so you can respond faster to opportunities saving costs and improving efficiency that's how we help make small businesses bigger and big businesses better go to mtnbusiness.co.za for more welcome to the new world of business the Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's 23 minutes after 8. Who stands to benefit from the situation in the Ukraine? 0891-104208. Let's go to Pretoria then. The lines are open right now. Give us a call. Khotatsu is calling us from Pretoria. Khotatsu, good morning.
5: Yes, pr- good morning. I, you know, I am worried because you are bringing your, your guest for the second time. Clearly, he's a person who is in support. Of the regime, the, the coup imposed regime in Kiev. L- l- the facts that are being here, and I think it's deliberate. He fails to mention that the coup imposed government in Kiev. One of the first things it did mm-hmm. was to delegitimize or declare Russian that Russian is no longer an official language. Can you imagine a government that comes in South Africa? And the first thing it, dec- it does is to declare that Zulu is no longer an official language in South Africa. What do you expect the speakers of that language to do? Secondly, he talks of constitutionalism, but he's, he does not mention the fact that the, the, the coup-imposed regime in Kiev did not assume power through constitutional means. Mm. It was it assumed power through Saturday, through violence, in fact, Uh, 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 about violence, people, you you know, uh, 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 he's talking that the the current uh, government has been trying to meet uh, uh, Crimea, Crimea, Mm -hmm. but he's not mentioning that the president who has been ousted violently had also signed an agreement with his opposition overseen by the EU. But despite that agreement, they still went ahead and violently brought down the government. I mean, the, the members of parliament are working under duress. you've seen on TV, prosecutors being threatened by right-wing mm-hmm, elements. Mm-hmm. He's not mentioning all these things. And so I think you need to balance a person like him mm. with another view. Otherwise, from last week, we have been fed the same thing from the same person who's clearly biased.
0: That, Thank sir. you. Thank you very much. Well, th- we must say at the start, this is the first time we've hosted him on AM Live. Uh, I'd like you to respond to before we go to the rest of the lines and, and more callers uh, coming through. Yarek, uh, would you like to respond to that?
4: Yes, of course I would. Look, unfortunately, what's, what, uh, we've, uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, with this caller, it's effects of, uh, of Russian propaganda, um, information, misinformation, and, uh, and not looking at uh, different news sources. Uh, just to correct your caller on a number of very important factual points. Um, first of all, with regard to the, to the law passed by the parliament, Russian was never an official language in Ukraine. Uh, the um, formerly ruling party of regions has passed a law, uh, effectively elevating um, the uh, status of the Russian language to to, uh, to a provis- to a provincial or to a local language, um, if if a province has uh, 10% or more Russian speakers, and and obviously that that also relates not to not only to Russian but to any other languages such as the uh, you know Crimean Tatar language, um, for instance. The important thing is, even though the Parliament has passed, um, has, um, has 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 rejected this law when it came into power, the law was never signed into force by the country's acting president. So effectively, the law still stands. And um, the general conversation is that when the law was uh, passed, uh, there were irregularities with with the way. That it was passed, and the law needs to be rethought. Certainly, no one prevents people from speaking Russian in any constitutional um, fora in Ukraine, in, in any government institutions. I go back to to Ukraine at least once a year for for one month. You often see situations where somebody will be speaking Ukrainian, and then the other person will be replying to them in Russian. There are Russian language newspapers, there are Russian language radio stations. Um, Their Russian language TV stations. A lot of the uh, members of parliament speak Russian in parliament, but because Ukraine is the official language, that means that you know all the official documentation, so say your your passport, you know your driver's license, all the official documentations will be coming out um, in, in 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 Ukrainian only. So for me, it's really a case of I think some people trying to um, blow a mountain out of a molehill because. In, in no way anyone infringes on the rights of the Russian speakers. The other point that I want to respond to is this alleged, you know, coup, um, revolution, you know, unconstitutionality of the, of the current government. I think it just needs to be placed in perspective. You know, there were, there were protests in Ukraine and there were clashes between the protesters and the riot police. And effectively what happened is that the, uh, former president of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, escaped. He escaped into, into Russia, and he refused to sign a peace treaty that was brokered by um, the uh, foreign ministers of Poland, Germany, and France, which would effectively uh, put a ceasefire between the protesters and, and the riot police and find a political solution for it. He never signed that agreement that was uh, passed by the Ukrainian parliament, he escaped into Russia. So the Ukrainian parliament is the only legitimate, uh, organ that was, that was voted, um, into power during an elections effectively took control and the speaker of the parliament was made an acting president until the presidential elections on the 25th of May just as a way to um, provide some stability uh, due to the volatile situation in the country and ensure that there is a central organ of power and the country keeps functioning until such a time that a new president is elected.
0: Yurik, perhaps you can tell us why is there a majority of Russian-speaking people in the Ukraine, in the Crimea region, just very quickly?
4: Look, you know, it's it's important to look back at uh, at history here, and uh, the fact is, during the times of the soviet union um, until we until you know ukraine which was a part of until 1991 um, the majority of people did speak russian so a lot of the a lot of the older population um, they speak russian you know uh, it it really depends on on the region of ukraine you know if you look at the map of europe eastern ukraine is closer to russia western ukraine is closer to poland and the european union countries so Traditionally, in the Western Ukraine, most people speak Ukrainian in the Eastern Ukraine, most people speak Russian in the center it's quite a bit mixed on a social level it's never been a problem and if you're from the Eastern Ukraine, you can come to the Western Ukraine and speak Russian and you know people will reply to you in russian and and vice versa but unfortunately, the language issue has always been used by politicians for for effectively gaining political points for Sowing divisions for for creating threats, for creating fears, and and effectively. Um of, uh, you know, for getting more votes from, from a scared electorate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yarek, thanks for joining us. Yarek uh, Turiansky is going to join us for the rest of the half-hour, uh, Program Manager of Governance and African Peer Review Mechanism Program at the South African Institute of International Affairs from the Ukraine, joining us here in South Africa today. You can give us a call, 891 104208, SMS is on 34701, Twitter, Facebook, AM live on SAFM. Who stands to benefit from the situation? in the Ukraine, 8.30 this morning time for your news headlines, here's for Bakshini Chetty now to nine. Morning Talk comes up with Rowena Bird at nine o'clock. Rowena, good morning. How is the show looking?
6: Happy Monday to you, Happy Darshan. Monday. Good morning to you. Coming up on Morning Talk today, we're going to talk about that age-old phrase, African solutions to African problems. We're going to unpack it and get a sense of how willing and able current African leaders are in coming up with African solutions, which are devoid of any Western influence for the problems experienced by the continent. That's in the first hour. At ten o'clock, we'll start Speak to Judge Jivon Mukhoro about the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital uh, construction, of which should be underway soon. We'll talk about the significance of this hospital. And just before the 10:30 news headlines, we're going to cross to the courtroom of Judge Togozile Masipa to get the latest in the trial of Oscar Pistorius. It enters its 11th day today. It's the third week of the trial, and we'll find out what the latest developments are there. On psychological matters with Joanna Cleavelu, we'll talk about uh, midlife. Crisis. Prices. We'll find out how it affects, if it affects everybody as at some point in our lives or are some people more prone to it than others. And then lastly, uh, we often hear about the plight of domestic workers. You also had uh, an interview this morning with Labour Minister Mordred Willifant uh, Darshan. So uh, we're going to turn that on its head somehow, turn that topic on its head, and talk about domestic workers who abuse their employers, take them for granted. They milk them for everything that they have. So that's going to be coming up in the last hour of today's show, and we look forward to that discussion. And that's the show for today, Darshan. Thank you. Dude, what happened to you? Your face is all swelled up and bruised. I was out with friends last night at the bar and
0: suddenly the police arrived and started assaulting everyone. Without reason. They fired shots and ordered everyone to lie down. What? Police in full uniform, I tell you. But do you know that you can report police brutality to the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, the IPID? What is the IPID? They are the government department that investigates specified criminal offences committed by members of the South African Police Service and Municipal Police Services. Oh. IPID investigates cases such as assault and torture, as well as corruption by the police or any deaths due to police action or deaths in police custody. For more information, contact IPID on 012-399-000 or visit IPID.gov.za. The IPID, promoting proper police conduct in accordance with the principles of the Constitution. Hi. Can
6: I update my... Sure.
0: Hi, Mrs. R. Sorry, Science Project. Okay. Really need to make a call. Go on. Hi, Joe from Telcom. You called 10213?
3: Guys, it's for you. Come get your own broadband so you can do what you're doing at your own homes.
0: Pay a visit to the leader in fixed broadband. Call 10213. Go to telkom.co.za or visit your nearest Telkom store. Conditions apply. Mnetisinjau and Sidu Media
5: Attorneys is one of the leading black-owned law firms with proficiency in litigation, corporate and tax laws to name just a few. MNS Attorneys' specialized knowledge gives corporate and government clients tailored legal solutions all under one roof. To simplify your legal needs, give us a call on 011-268-5225. MNS Attorneys, legal
0: expertise in your corner. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Who stands to benefit from the situation in the Ukraine? You can give us a call, 891 SMSs, I'll read through shortly on 34701. cost you two to SMSs. Talking in conversation on our panelist today is uh, South African Institute of International Affairs uh, Program Manager, Yarek Turiansky, who's also a Ukrainian living in South Africa. Uh, right now, I'm also joined by Associate Senior Research Fellow at the Center for European Policy Studies. Joining us from Brussels this morning, Michael Emerson. Good morning. Thanks for your time, Michael. Beep. And unceremonious uh, end to saying hello to someone We'll try to get him back on the line Michael Emerson there joining us uh, from Brussels uh, Associate Senior Researcher We'll try to go back to him Yarick, uh, are you still on the line with us, Jarek? Okay, we're having a problem with Yarek's line as well. We'll try to get back to his line. Of course, the reason we're heading to Brussels today is because the European Union is expected to slap sanctions on Ukraine officials. We're expecting to see even travel bans being issued by the European Union. Who are they going to name among those travel bans? Are we going to see recognizable figures? Could we likely even see the president of uh, Russia, Vladimir Putin, apparently appear on these uh, EU list of sanctions that they're expected to slap on uh, officials today, the EU foreign ministers meeting uh, shortly to discuss uh, these actions that they plan to take against Russia. Let's go to the lines then while we get our guests back on the line for us. We've got um, Billy in Midrand. Billy, good morning.
7: Hi, good morning. Good morning, Billy. To, to be to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, in the dark with this Ukraine thing, to be honest. I haven't really followed it because I gave up following this type of thing a couple of years ago because it's always the same answer. And who benefits from this type of thing? If, if you've got Obama and Putin supposedly opposites, right? They're they're on opposite sides mm-hmm. of this, this issue. But if they belong to the Council on Foreign Relations, they are Scottish Rite, 33rd-degree Freemasons, they are part of the Trilateral Commission, which is the Rockefeller Organization, and they are possibly members of papal knights organizations, like the Knights of Malta or Jerusalem, which is Vatican-linked, then they are probably on the same side, just confusing everybody. And the people that are going to benefit from this, I can virtually guarantee will be the banking system of the Rothschild forwarding central banking system policy into that region for whatever reason it is. That's just my take. He wanted some balance on it. There was a gentleman Mm -hmm. who said he wanted some balance. I know that sounds conspiratorial, very much so. But if you look back... You know, you look at the Syria, look at Libya, all these, they're all linked to Rothschild banking financial systems. And even the, the South African Reserve Bank, they are um, actually printing money out of nothing. So it's, it's global. It's a global thing. The Fed in, in America, owned by the Bank of England and mm-hmm. the Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland, it's all linked because these these things are, are uh, problem-reaction solution, new world order agenda templates to promote a... A, a, an agenda by using a highlighted in the media problem which is deliberately caused to Billy, create thanks,
0: that situation. Thanks for that call, Billy. Billy, I appreciate that. Benefiting the banking system, that's who he says stands to benefit from the situation in the Ukraine. If you agree, disagree, SMS on 34701. Salim is on the line in Durban. Salim, good morning.
2: Good morning,
0: Narshan. Thanks,
2: Salim. This you, you, is the Western agenda and the double standard of the West. Mm-hmm. They're going to topple legitimate governments. We've seen it in Egypt, we've seen it in Ukraine, we've seen it in other parts of the world. This is a way they can go and steal the resources of the world. So they go in there, they topple the government like they've done in Iraq, and they go and rape the country. So this is one of the ways that the double agenda of the world is, is taking place. At the end of the day, in Egypt... The top of the government, the people of Palestine are suffering, and a apartheid of Egypt, I mean a of Israel, is having a field day. But
0: Salim, don't, don't you see this as as uh, the other way around, where the Americans are actually trying to to ensure the government of Crimea is is able to be autonomous, separate from Russia? Isn't this trying to ensure they have rights rather than 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 delegitimizing the state?
2: No, we can see the people of Crimea wants to move to Russia they had been with Ukraine and they had didn't get much from them they have decided
0: well you also have would. to you also have to remember salim which people in in Crimea because we've heard the tatars the, the the muslim minority in in Crimea wasn't able to vote they boycotted this so i mean can you really say the Crimea wants to join Russia
2: well you see the majority counts mm. they say 90 percent of the people voted or more, or 80% or more, wanted to join Russia. Now, these are all problems that are created by the so-called Western powers.
0: Then,
2: why did they go in, in the first place, and have a legitimate government proper?
0: Salim, thanks for that call. Salim, appreciate that. Salim in Durban. Max and Bishar, we'll take your call as well. It's a stalemate, according to you, Max. Why?
5: Yeah, good morning, Hashem.
0: Good morning, Max hello yes, hello we, we hear you loud. no I, I
5: my my is to support maybe support the side that says who will benefit from the conflict is the west and whom, specifically in the west are the banking system the the, the sisters in the woods the imf and the world banks to me these are the most uh, behind the western governments interest in taking in in taking over uh, 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 the whole state of 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 uh, of, 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 uh, of 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 ukraine now Having said that, you must understand also, everyone has got to understand that there are rules that uh, govern the international community. Even if Russia feels so much aggrieved, more especially from the security part of it, because I understand Russia has got uh, a huge fleet of uh, of the army or former Soviet uh, bases there. They have got every right to be aggrieved if they think that that part of the world will be, swamped over by people who are hostile to the to Russia. The Russia having even seen since the what called the 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 public side,
2: Russia has
5: got to push for a situation that the matter gets resolved in a diplomatic way. Russia has got a case to argue that the West is encroaching on its territory. Eventually whom I think will lose this all is Russia itself being taken over by the West. And whom in the West? The IMF and World Bank. Thank
0: you. Max, thanks for that call, Max and Bisho. Well, let's uh, now go to Brussels. We've got the the Associate Senior Research Research Fellow at the Center for European Policy Studies on the line to us from Brussels. Michael Emerson, good morning. Thanks for your time.
8: Good morning to you.
0: Michael, we're expecting to see EU foreign leaders meeting today, perhaps uh, choosing to slap sanctions on Russia. What's the mood like uh, today in Brussels?
8: Uh, the mood is pretty somber because, uh, the question is what happens next. I mean, these, these sanction measures probably will, will go ahead, these uh, relatively symbolic sanctions at this stage. But the big question is, uh, what happens after, what happens next in East Ukraine? Mm-hmm. The Crimean uh, referendum has taken place. It gives a majority for uh, annexation by Russia. That is in the pipeline now. It will move very fast. But the question question is what happens next. Uh, Crimea for the West has been a kind of thin red line, but the rest of mainland Ukraine is a very fat, big red line.
0: Mm. Uh, You say what happens next. If the sanctions do go ahead, in what form will they be? Will we see travel bans being issued against key leaders, Vladimir Putin among them?
8: Um Yes, I, my, our guess is that there will be a fairly large number of uh, key people in Moscow. Whether they include Putin or not, I don't know. Um, so, travel bans and um, asset freezes. But um, so this is just an appetizer, if you like. Huh? Mm. I mean, if uh, if this goes on and spreads, uh, tumbles over into East Ukraine. Uh, then the prospect of devastating economic sanctions uh, becomes relevant.
0: Is this going to be a blueprint, as some are worried about that? this is a blueprint by President Vladimir Putin, of how he's going to break up the weakest states in Europe, like those similar to Ukraine? Is that a concern among EU leaders? Uh,
8: well, uh, yes, um, of course, with respect to the case of Ukraine. Um um, Putin is not trusted at all. Um, and the question is, what what does he want to do next? He's probably improvising. He wants to get uh, back as much of Ukraine as possible, uh, but to minimize the, the cost um, to, to him. I mean, he knows his economy is weak, and it's begun suffering in the markets already. The economy is in secession. So at the moment, Putin is heading... For a great patriotic uh, victory in getting back Ukraine, while his economy is going to sink.
0: SMSs are coming through on the show on 34701. Uh, this came in from Insikana to is saying revisionists like Vladimir Putin, who obviously hanker for a return of the defunct USSR, are living in a cloud uh, of cuckoo land. Insikana writing in there. Um Yarek Tudyansky joining us on the line as well from the SA Institute of International Affairs. Yarek, tell us about the Tatars. Who are the Tatars and why did they Boycott this vote. Everyone's saying you know eighty percent of the uh, of Ukrainians turned out for this vote, but there was a key minority group that, w- that chose not to vote. W- why? Why not?
4: Um, Crimean Tatars were an, an ethnic population of Crimea until the nineteen thirties, when uh, the former leader of the Soviet Union, Joseph Stalin, deported them from Crimea and gave their gave their homes, gave their businesses, gave their land to. Uh, Russian speakers and Russian citizens. So they were originally a displaced people, and um, allegedly about half of the 300,000 uh, Crimean Tatars uh, have died um, during their journey from from Crimea to Russia in the 1930s. And since those days, they've always longed to go back to their to their lands, the lands of their forefathers. They were able to come back around 1989, 1990, so just before the, the breakup of the Soviet Union, and they've been there since. So clearly they have this, uh, this history with, with Russia already, um, a very negative one, of, uh, of being displaced at the, at the whim of Russian leaders. And um, certainly they're very afraid of, of their status, they're very afraid of what's going to happen um, the leader of the Crimean Tartarus has already appealed to Turkey, um, another another Muslim country for, for defense, and uh, the foreign minister and the prime minister of Turkey have spoken out uh, for the rights of uh, Crimean Tartars in the peninsula and, and also for the respect of the so, uh, territorial sovereignty. And territorial integrity of Ukraine.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the minorities, uh, Yarik. There was talk of neo Nazism seen at some of the protests, uh, but Ukraine's uh, largest Jewish community, uh, the third largest in Europe apparently, 300,000 of them, sent a rather blunt petition to the Russian President Vladimir Putin saying that there's no victimization, no harassment, and that their rights are not being curtailed. Who's to be believed here?
4: Look, indeed, uh, you know the situation is unfortunately what we're seeing is a lot of propaganda and um, a lot of uh, public relations exercises to trying to get the rest of the world and specifically people within Russia to believe that you know Nazis and ultranationalists have come to have come to power in Ukraine and now um, you know we will be we will be seeing uh, pogroms and uh, we will be seeing um, the rights of minorities negatively affected the chief rabbi of, of Ukraine gave an interview last week in which he basically called all of these um, statements and claims nonsense. And he said that many of the protesters on Maidan, at the, at the height of the demonstrations in Ukraine, have actually approached him and said, look, we, we, we understand that the situation is volatile, and we volunteer to, to protect and, uh, and guard the synagogues um, in Ukraine, which he has really appreciated. Um, in Crimea as well, there was a defecation of, uh, of a synagogue um, and a swastika being being drawn on its doors. And uh, the rabbi of that synagogue said that he thinks it was Russian agent provocateurs who were trying to uh, sort discord between the, the Jewish and the Ukrainian populations. And uh, he doesn't think it was the uh, the more nationally inclined um, Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian leaders, uh, and uh, finally what's what I can just say on that on that statement is the perhaps the most uh, nationalist group in Ukraine at the moment is called the right sector mm-hmm. and uh, these guys have actually met with the Israeli ambassador to Ukraine about two weeks ago and during that conversation with them they assured him that uh, they are, are nationalist in the sense that they um, uh, are for the Ability of Ukrainian people to determine their own destiny and to be free and to be to be free in that sense from Outside interference, but in no way they are xenophobic or or anti-Semitic. So we're having you know all these religious and, and political leaders of the Jewish community saying that there is no you know threat from from the so-called neo-Nazis in well, Ukraine. Derek, let's let's, leave it, some, yeah, uh, let's leave it there. some yeah. Let's leave it there.
0: We'll we'll come back to uh, just look at what happens next and what's the process going forward. And finally, answering this question from my guest, who stands to benefit from the situation in the Ukraine? Stay tuned. We're back after this. Dave, where have you been,
6: man? Been moving house. Didn't you move last weekend?
8: Yep, but I was helping the neighbors out this
0: morning. Ah,
6: what a mission.
0: Not in my Nissan MP200.
6: Make every trip fantastic
0: in a Nissan MP200 1.6 base. Now at a fantastic 125222, including a canopy. And if you don't need a canopy, your dealer will structure another fantastic offer. T's and C's apply. Offer available exclusively through Nissan Finance, a division of West Bank, a division of First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Nissan, innovation that excites. How smart is a smartphone if you're not on the smartest network? Get the completely unlimited mobile deal which gives you unlimited calls, unlimited data, and even unlimited
1: SMSs with the Samsung Galaxy S4 smartphone at just $1499 per month from Telcom. Only on SA's best broadband network. Call 10213, visit telcomshop.coza, or go to a nearest Telcom store. T's and C's apply.
0: Rethink smart network. Telcom. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. U.S. President Barack Obama says the United States and its allies will never recognize Crimea's breakaway vote. The European Union today will be meeting to slap sanctions on Ukraine officials. Perhaps even we could see travel bans uh, uh, being put against uh, some key figures in this. It was told that this was not a legal referendum, but it's gone through anyway. Obama insists the referendum violates the Ukrainian constitution and occurred under duress of Russian military intervention. But so what? Uh, let's ask Michael Emerson, what happens next?
8: Um, the, well, you have to watch what's happening in uh, East Ukraine. Uh, the situation is in ferment there. The question is whether in East, Russian-speaking Ukraine, uh, something like what happened in Kiev uh, happens, namely the street takes over. Mm. The politicians no longer control the situation. Uh, this is possible. And that is the situation in which uh you could have confrontation between the Ukrainian security services and army, um, conflict deaths and, and then possibly uh Russian military intervention. That is the worst case, but we have no reason whatsoever to exclude the worst
0: case at this point mm-hmm. Yarek, Yarek is that already happening I mean what Michael talks about there uh, aren't we already seeing some of those reports of, of gang leaders, mafias uh, entering into Ukraine's Crimea area the sex trade apparently and now looking towards the Crimea I mean if this is a make up and a blueprint for how uh, Vladimir Putin wants to break apart weaker states in, in Europe is this what we're likely to see that the sex trade is going to flourish in these areas?
4: You know, I mean, we're certainly seeing attempts to recreate the Crimean scenario in uh, some of the eastern provinces in Ukraine, mm. uh, particularly the cities of Donetsk and Kharkiv, and uh, there were confrontations already, um, and, uh, and pro-Russian activists, many of them alleged to be Russian citizens that, uh, that managed to make their, their way across the border, um, provoking violence and, and even killing some of the pro-Ukrainian uh, protesters in both Kharkiv. And, uh, and, during last week on, on, Thursday and Friday, um, during the weekend, there were, uh, these, these demonstrations as well, but, uh, fortunately, fortunately, there was no violence. There were no deaths, but there's certainly, um, attempts to, to destabilize the situation in these regions. And I have to agree with Michael that, uh, you know, we cannot rule out the, the same scenario taking place in the, in the east of Ukraine.
0: Well, what's what's the process that needs to needs to go forward now in order for European leaders and and the US I- in order for them to be satisfied that Crimea is an independent state, Michael Emerson, is there a way for this to go forward with keeping the Western powers uh, "quote unquote" happy?
8: Um, yes, I think so. Um, the the formal diplomatic uh, denunciation of uh, Crimea's uh, independence and annexation by Russia, that will go on for, forever but my view of the bottom line the real bottom line is if at this point Putin says thank you very much I pocket Ukraine but otherwise now I lay off the rest of Ukraine um, and enter into a more cooperative mode with uh, western oriented interests in Ukraine that would be a satisfactory outcome
0: Michael, but the deed is done, though, right? So at the end of the day, does Russia stand to benefit the most from the situation in the Ukraine?
8: Well, no, not at all. I mean, they have been put in uh, games politically in, with his uh, patriotic uh, compatriots at home. Uh, his popularity is certainly soaring for the moment. But uh, the question is, how is the. Russian economy is going to be affected by all of this. It's already, as we mentioned before, uh, not too strong, and it could be subject to devastating um, loss of confidence and loss of trust on the part of uh, investors, both Russian investors and international investors.
2: Michael Emerson. So if the Russian
8: economy is hit hard, uh, Putin then uh, later on will not be found to have benefited.
0: All the way out from, on the line to us from Brussels, Michael Emerson, thanks for your time. He's an Associate Senior Research Fellow at the Center for European Policy Studies. Yarek Tyriansky, I'll give you the final word. Who benefits the most from this?
4: Well, I think it's, it's certainly going to be Russia. But as Michael saying, the benefit currently is political in terms of the ratings that Putin is achieving. But if you look at the market performance ever since, the, um, uh, ever since Russia approved the military intervention in Ukraine on the 1st of March... Um, they've just been plummeting, and uh, at the moment, it all depends on how far the European Union and the United States are willing to go with with economic sanctions. Uh, certainly, the travel bans and the asset freezes are going to affect the Russian elite, uh, many of whom have holiday homes and uh, in, in in Europe, in the States, they have uh, children going to to Western universities. Uh, you know, they have offshore bank accounts in, in Austria and um, in switzerland so that's going to to affect them uh, personally but uh, we could see also see more serious sanctions directed against the the russian economy the us has already spoken about putting uh, 5 million uh, barrels of oil from its reserve onto the market mm. uh, which i think can also send a, send a very strong signal to russia that uh, the world is not going to be held hostage by um, its oil and uh, natural gas
0: reserves. Yarek Tariansky, thanks for joining us, Program Manager of Governance and the African Peer Review Mechanism Program at the South African Institute of International Affairs, a Ukrainian living in South Africa today. That's it from our team. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll do it again tomorrow, 6 to 9 a.m. from us here at AM Live and the Forum at 8. Both our teams say thank you very much for joining us. So Vibachini Chat is up next with your news at 9.